Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. We're going to begin at verse 45 through verse 54, Mark chapter 6. And straightway he constrained his, his disciples. He imposed upon them. This word constrained literally would almost carry, he forced them. You'll find out why in a moment, but he, he constrained, he imposed upon them. He forced his disciples now to get into the ship and go to the other side under Bethsaida. Now, we're talking about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee. Please get this down and remember, the Sea of Galilee from point A to point B that we're going to talk about today, based on how you would navigate the waters, is approximately eight miles long. Eight miles, eight miles don't forget that it's, it's eight miles from one shore to the next. And he constrained his disciples to, to get into the ship and to go to the other side unto Bethsaida. Here's another side note for you. Bethsaida speaks of blindness, disappointment, and darkness. Blindness, disappointment, darkness, confusion. Blindness, disappointment, darkness, and confusion. Watch. He constrained his disciples. Boys, get into this ship and set sail on the Sea of Galilee till you come to Bethsaida. And I'll send away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. He, he sent the disciples into the sea and he departed. Notice he's not in the boat with them. He sent them into the Sea of Galilee, eight miles across from shore to shore. And he went into the mountain to pray. And he was alone on the land. And when evening was come, and this is approximately at 6 p.m. as the sun would set upon the Sea of Galilee. The ship was in the midst of the sea. And he was alone on land. Notice he had went up into a mountain to pray. He's alone on land, on a mountain, and the boys are in the boat. They have set sail 
on the Sea of Galilee, an eight-mile journey to come to the shores of Bethsaida. And he saw them in verse 48. He saw them, verse 48, and he saw them. I'm in verse 48, and he saw them. They were toiling and rowing. Toiling and rowing. They were rocking and rowing. They were rocking and rowing. The winds had risen now. The boys are on the Sea of Galilee. They were obedient to Jesus even though they put up opposition. He constrained them to get into the boat. He sent them away into the shore while he went upon the mountain to pray. Verse 48 again, and he saw them rocking and rowing. Rocking and rowing. They, they were struggling with the storm. They were struggling with this present crisis. They were struggling with 2020. They were struggling with an unexpected virus that seemed like it came out of nowhere and hit them. It blindsided them. It's one thing if you see something coming and you can brace yourself and prepare for what's ahead. But when you are blindsided and you hit with something and you didn't see it coming, it disarms you. You're unprepared. And it caught them off guard. And now we find them rocking and rowing and rowing and rocking. Why? Because the wind was contrary unto them. The word contrary, get this, this is another side note. The word contrary here means three things in the Greek here. Number one, it was altogether different. This was a storm that hit them out of nowhere. These were professional men, fishermen. They knew how to navigate the water. Don't think by chance that this is the first time they've been on the Sea of Galilee. No. They know these waters. They know the depth of the waters. They know the current of the flow. They know how to navigate through a storm. But now they're hit with something all together different. What do you do when you're hit with something that you've got no knowledge of. When you're hit with something uh, that you have no pattern or precedence for. When you're hit with something that nobody has ever described or nobody has ever known the extent 
of such a storm. What do you do? It's altogether different. Number two, it was inclined to oppose. And number three, it was opposite their nature. Opposite their nature simply means it was above, this storm was above their pay scale. Even though these men were professional, they knew how to navigate this ship even in a storm. This storm hit them and it was beyond anything they had experienced before. If I'm going through something and possibly I've experienced some of this before, I may know how to rock and roll between the currents and the tides. But when you're hit with something that we've been hit with, as we've been hit with this virus of 2020, unlike anything we've ever experienced, it's like hold on for your life. Fear sets in. Trouble sets in. It's altogether different. It's opposite your nature. Our nature is to fellowship. Our nature is to get out and uh, roll with our families. Our nature is to fellowship, come to church, uh, be with one another. But what happens when all of that is taken away and you find yourself isolated and you don't know if you can tell me when it'll be over maybe I could manage I could manage my feelings I could manage uh, my tension I could manage my anxiety but when it's opposite of anything I've ever experienced and seemingly nobody has an answer Nobody has a solution. And no time, nobody has set a time limit that is, well, this will pass at this time. And you have to hold on to life every single day. Not knowing what tomorrow. Just, just for a moment, step into this ship with these boys. Feel the winds. Feel the rain. Feel the boat as it's being rocked from side to side. And they simply don't have an answer to this, this, this storm. What do you do when you don't have an answer to this storm? You and I that's lived for a minute, we've had storms. After storms, we've had trials. We've had tribulations. We've had challenges, ups and downs, disappointments. But we were able to manage. But it seemed like going through what we have went through we never knew if it would be another day or not. How do you manage the unmanageable? They were in this boat holding on to every breath as it could be the last one. 
And Jesus saw them struggling with this contrary wind. Notice this. He saw them, church, and it was about the fourth watch of the night. Now let's calculate for a moment. They set sail in the evening, approximately 6 p.m. or so as the sun set on the Sea of Galilee. Six to four, nine, ten hours. Now notice, here's 12 men in a boat, a boat that they're familiar with, a sea that they're familiar with, but a storm that they're unfamiliar with. Just in the natural calculation of things. Without a storm, just a few minutes, an hour, two hours at the most, 12 men could row eight miles across the shore or across the Sea of Galilee. But now he sees the ship rocking and rowing. He's on land looking in there in the sea, struggling with this storm for approximately nine, ten hours. Watch it. He saw them about the fourth watch. The Bible said, and he came to them walking on the water. He came to them walking on the water and would have passed them by. When they saw him walking upon the sea, notice this. They supposed it to be a spirit. A ghost, if you please, a spirit. And they begin to cry out in fear. Verse 50, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked to them and saith unto him, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered, verse 2, not the miracles of the loaf for their heart was hardened. Verse 53, and when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. They drew near to the shore. 54, and when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him. Back up, if you will, with me to verse 50. And they all saw him and were troubled. It looks like I'm going backwards into my text, but I have a purpose in what I'm doing. My title today is Trouble 
don't last always. It's going to make sense in a moment. Let me back up to the beginning of this chapter just to give you some side notes that leads up to the verses I've read and I'll be out of your way. Earlier in this chapter, the disciple John has just been beheaded, lost his head at Herod's chopping block. The word immediately circulates and gets around and so much as the Bible said, the disciples came to take his corpse and to bury him. And then they came and brought the news to Jesus. Jesus seeing the fatigue and the fear, the pressure, the anxiety, that were upon these followers of Christ, these disciples. He makes one of the most powerful statements in all of the New Testament to me. He sees the weariness, the fatigue, the fear, the trouble, the torment. Jesus could read their minds even though it's not recorded in Scripture. You know what they were thinking. If they took John, then who's next? That's pressure, people. We look through 2020 and we've all had loved ones people that we knew, some that we were close to, that COVID took out. We tried to cover it with a praise. We tried to cover it with prayer. But you can't tell me that deep down on the inside, there wasn't a turbulence, a fear, Trying to build. Do I stay in the house? If I leave the house and get into the car, do I get out of the car? Who do I talk to? Who don't I talk to? Did I accidentally forget and shake somebody's hand? Did I hug someone? Because it's just second nature. We've lived for months and months with a storm rocking our world. These words Jesus spake to the boys. I love this passage of Scripture. He saw the pressure. He saw the intensity. And he made one statement. Boys, come apart into a desert or a deserted place. 
a deserted place. Watch. And rest a while. Come apart before you come apart. Sometimes you have to come apart. You have to just shut the door on doubt. Shut the door on pressure. Because if you entertain it, it'll control you. I know what I'm talking about. I wish that this moment it's not time to go into my own personal testimony for the last two and a half, three months. But I know what it is. Feeling alone at night in a hospital room and not knowing what news I would wake up with the next day. I will tell you this much. It was about 2 a.m. one morning and I, 2 a.m. and I, I couldn't sleep and I was restless lying there. And I took this iPad, the very one that I'm using right now, scrolling through YouTube and looking at different churches and preachers. I felt an unction to stop and listen to this message. And at 2 a.m., as I begin to listen, by the time the man of God finished preaching, deliverance had walked into the room. Victory had walked into the room. No, 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 I hadn't jumped out of the bed and ran down the hallway, but my mind was free. My soul had escaped like a bird out of prison. Yes, I was still in that bed. Yes, I was still in that hospital room. Yes, I was still hooked up to this or that. But my mind got out. And in less than 48 hours, my body came out behind it. And I've been pressing toward victory ever since. And I'm here to tell you, Trouble don't last. Trouble don't last. Always he told the disciples and I'm almost finished. Come apart to a deserted place. Chill. Rest a while. can't stay where trouble is and get the victory. So they began to press toward the seashore. I'm getting back to my text now. They began to press toward the seashore. Jesus promised them a vacation. They're excited. Now they're They're possibly forgetting about just for a moment what's happened to John and joy's breaking out among them and they're almost coming back to their normal self. Peter and Paul are talking. Peter, rather, Nathaniel are talking. The others are talking with one another and 
Jesus is walking and they're following him down to the seashore. They get to the boat, get in the boat with Jesus. Now get this. They get into the ship with Jesus. They're pulling up the anchor, just about to set sail. And over the horizon, someone had ran back to the city that saw Jesus and the disciples. They ran back to the city and said, oh, he's at, he's at the seashore. He's at the Sea of Galilee. Hundreds, hundreds. It's right here in the text. Hundreds up into the thousands rushed out of the city, the villages, the communities and gathered at the seashore and the side of the hill and the mountain where the ship was. I can see the disciples trying to get him not to look, not to focus, don't turn around. Peter, get that, get, get, get that anchor up, Jesus. Get that anchor up, pull it up before Jesus turns. And all of a sudden the Bible said he turned and he saw the multitude racing toward the seashore. The Bible said he was moved with compassion. For they that raced toward him were as sheep having no shepherd. And without a conversation, the Lord, the master, the shepherd of shepherds stepped out of the ship and walked toward the multitude and began to teach. I want you to just go with me for a journey for a moment. I read to you earlier that they said, sell again the evening so this had to be much earlier in the day the compassion was so intense that even though Jesus had promised these fatigued distraught disciples a vacation Began to teach this multitude that gathered. He began to teach and he taught and he taught. Not just a few minutes, not just a warmed over sermon, not three points and a poem. But all day long he spent with those that gathered. Now the frustration has set in on the disciples again. It's a different type of frustration now. They're frustrated over John and who could be next. I read to you earlier that they're frustrated over the storm, but now they're frustrated because it looks like Jesus has lied. It looks like 
that even though he told us that he's taken us on a vacation, we're going to be able to rest a while from the multitudes and the people that's constantly reaching for help. Now as they sat in the boat grumbling among themselves, listen to the conversation. We might as well get out of this boat and go to where he's at because he's forgot about us. So when they came to where Jesus was, the Bible calls it the time was far spent and it was supper time. The Bible said that there were 5,000 men alone, not counting women and children. This multitude sat, drank in every word of the master, took in every thought that he released. And the disciples came to him and interrupted him, if you please, and said, now, now, good sir, what are you going to do? Evening has come. You've kept this multitude here all day long. They haven't had time to prepare for the evening meal. You need to dismiss this service. I love the message translation of this. They said to Jesus, give the benediction. Ain't it a mess when disciples are commanding leadership what to do? Their frustration, they looked at the Lord Jesus and said, give the benediction. Enough is enough. Send these people away so they can eat. It wasn't about those that were there going to eat. It was about their vacation. It was about being able to come apart as they were coming apart. Jesus said, well, do we have any meat? The disciples spoke up and said, wait, wait, what, what, what do you mean? Do we have any meat? Do you see the multitude? How much do you think it's going to cost? 200 penny worth? If we were to go in the city, we don't have that kind of money. If we were to go in the city and buy bread and bring it back and feed this multitude, Jesus simply, you know the story. We've all preached it. We've heard it since Sunday school. Jesus said, well, look out among them and see if you can find anything I can work with. They searched through the multitude and came back with a greasy bag. One little greasy bag from a little boy that had a little bag and had a little brunch. They shook it in the face of Jesus and said, Sir, this is all we can find is five loaves and two fish. Take this. 
was almost to despise the words that Jesus said. But the boys didn't know what's up. The Bible said he took it, he blessed it, gave thanks, and he broke it. Gave it to the disciples to distribute it. You know the story. Five loaves and two fish fed 5,000 plus the women and the children. Now Jesus says, now each take a basket and go and pick up the fragments. They pick up the leftovers, the leftovers. The Bible said they each had a basket full, 12 baskets full of leftovers. I've got to go, but I'm to my text. He takes them back to the ship. And this is where he constrained them to get into the boat, go to the other side. That's why he imposed on them, literally had to force them into the ship. No, 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 we done tried this, you promised. We're not, we're not going through this again. But once he did get them settled in the boat and they set sail on this eight-mile journey across the Sea of Galilee, he went into the mountain to pray. John's account don't have time to take you there, but John 6 account of Mark 6 said that Jesus on the mountain saw them wrestling with the storm. John's account said they were 25 to 30 furlongs into the journey. Nine to 10 hours of rowing and rocking and they're 25 to 30 furlongs into the journey of an eight mile trip. Approximately three and a half to four, three and a half to four miles into the journey. They were halfway across the sea. Nine hours, 10 hours fighting storm that they don't know when it will come to an end. Possibly in their minds this could be the end before the storm comes to an end. But I got good news for you. Even though the storm surrounded the ship they couldn't see the shore. They couldn't see land because of the winds and the waves. The Bible said he was on land on the mountain praying and he saw them. He saw them. I got good news for you. When you can't see him, hallelujah, it doesn't mean he can't. See you right where you're at right now. 
you still may feel isolated, secluded, enclosed. Corona's done a number on your mind and on your faith, can I be honest? But just like Jesus saw them, they couldn't see Jesus for the storm. But he saw them. Right when they felt like it's over, when they felt like they didn't have the strength to wrestle the waves any longer. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever held your hands up that now they're so heavy you feel like I can't get them up again? I, I prayed everything I know to pray. I've called your name. Now I don't have the strength to roll my faith. Is finished. And at that very moment of hopelessness, here comes Jesus coming off of the mountain. He's a Savior. We used to sing back in old school, He may not come when you want Him. But he'll be there right on time. I want to tell you that are watching me right now. He may not come last March, last May, last June, last July, last August, last September. He may not have made it by New Year's Eve. He may not have made it January, but he's on his way to your ship right now. But wait. He told them to set sail for a city called Bethsaida. Disappointment, blindness. You remember Bethsaida, it's where they brought the blind man to Jesus and asked him to heal their friend. He met them in the middle of the night, the middle of the lake, and in the middle of their storm. Can I say it again? He met them in the middle of the night, the middle of the lake, four miles from, shore, from this shore, from that shore. The middle of the night, the middle of the lake, and the middle of the storm. He would have passed them by because they thought that it was a spirit. They're so confused by the storm, so confused by the struggle. They're weary, they're worn, they're fatigued, disillusioned. Now they think it's a ghost. As they cried out in fear, he spoke up and said, it is I, 
be not afraid. And he stepped up, pastor, into their situation. I come with good news today that God is stepping up into your ship. He's stepping up, climbing up into your situation. John's account, and I'm done, it's a wrap. John's account said, and when he stepped up on shore, Mark said the wind ceased. But John said, and immediately they were on land. But, but wait, a, wait a minute. They're in the middle of the night, the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm. They still got four miles to go. But John said when he stepped up into the ship, immediately, the word immediately is the snap of the finger or the blinking of an eye. Just like that, they were on land. And when they came, I'm finished. When they came out of the ship, the Bible said they were in the land not of Bethsaida, but the land of Genesaret. Bethsaida was still another disappointment. But Bethsaida was the land of miracles. Many, many miracles. What are you saying, Bishop? God used the storm to turn their boat toward a miracle. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment, but I want to tell you prophetically, your season of rowing is over. These contrary winds you'll see no more. God is bringing an end to the violent wind. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org watch now or through our Potter's House North app.